Good morning, everybody. It's, um, it's really great to be back. In case you're wondering where I've been, I've not actually been very far. It's just that we've had a baby, so um, I've taken a little bit of time off. Um, but now we're back, and it is definitely very different preparing a preach with a, with a baby in the house, that's for sure. Um, talk about interrupting your train of thought and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, it's all good. So my name is Steve Sedis Rhiannon. I'm part of the team here. And we've started 2016 purposefully talking about Jesus. And I love that. The series that we're looking at is called I Am. And it's basically looking at the sayings that Jesus said about himself. So, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. We've had all these, these sayings and we've got a, a whole load more that are coming up. But, you know, it's really deliberate that we start with Jesus. Because we've got an incredible church, haven't we? And sitting in this building here, it's still amazing. It's still an incredible journey that we've been on to get here. And, and we do some amazing things for the community. On Friday, we have a community cafe and a community hub. So there's now a job club, there's, there's um, cap debt advice. And then there's the community cafe, which is run by Amy, who's also on the drums this morning. And they had 65 people at the cafe this week. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Do you know, when you see what those guys do every Friday, it makes Ready Steady Cook look like meager, because they only have to prepare one meal. These guys don't know what they're going to cook until the Friday morning. They turn up and they feed people. It's incredible. We've got some stuff to be really, really proud of. But do you know, actually, now this is where I step onto controversial kind of topics of discussion, I know. But the council is also pretty good on some occasions, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into here all your disputes about your lawns or whatever. But, but the council does some pretty good stuff, doesn't it? When, when we had Brooke, um, we had a thing saying, would you like a tree um, to, to commemorate the birth of your child for free? So we've got this tree. I said yes because it was free. I've no idea what to do with this tree. It turned up. I forgot I'd ordered it. And then I opened the door and this man was stood there with this tree. And I was just like, oh, great. So it's still actually stuck out. It's waiting to be planted up. But that's pretty good, isn't it? But I don't see people down on Sunday mornings at Mandela House where, where all the, the council offices are every Sunday sort of championing the cause of the council and gathering together because at the end of the day, they're good deeds, but the good deeds that we do overflow out of our love for Jesus. And we gather, yes, because we do some good things, but mainly we gather around Jesus. And when we lift Jesus up, then we start to realize that out of the overflow of that comes the good things. And that's why we're here this morning, is because we say that actually the Bible says, if Jesus be lifted up, I'll draw all men to, to you. And so, yeah, we do some great things, but I'm excited that we're starting the trajectory of 2016 on Jesus, because that is the most important thing that we can start off on. So really, to be honest, I've been a little bit outdone the last couple of uh, weeks with some... Am I ticking on the... Yeah, shall I switch the hand mic? Is that, is that easier? Hang on, excuse me, just a costume change. Let me take my earring off, and then we'll, we'll see if that, hap that works. So the last couple of weeks, there's been some crazy visual uh, demonstrations. Have you noticed that? And obviously, I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit rusty because I haven't done a Sunday morning for a while. What am I going to do? Because I'm talking today on the bread of life. So I thought, you know, it's fine. I'll get a loaf of bread. Right? It's not quite, but I've got to draw it back. Otherwise, it's just going to escalate. And by mid-June, we'll just be going crazy with visual demonstrations. So I've got to bring it back down to earth. The thing is, I actually forgot to buy the loaf of bread. 
So I wonder if Sine can come out. Sine's our uh, stage manager today with a round of applause. Thank you so much, Sine. What I've actually got is a stale muffin from Golden's Coffee to demonstrate the bread of life. So I'm just going to leave that here. And you can just sort of reflect and meditate on the muffin. And whenever you see a muffin, you can think of the bread of life. <laughs> but we're going to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 6. And John chapter 6 is this passage where Jesus talks about the bread of life. And the context of the passage is a, is a little bit earlier. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. You know the story that we know when he had five loaves and two fish. And he fed 5,000 people with this. And, and so there's... We, we pick up the story a bit later in John chapter 6 when Jesus is talking to some crowds that have followed him. And he says this to them, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So Jesus is basically saying, you've come to me. I'm not stupid. You've come to me because I've just fed 5,000 people and you're intrigued about that. And your stomach is nice and full. And now you want to know a little bit more. So Jesus says, I, I get the physical hunger. But I want to tell you, now I've dealt with the physical hunger about a much more important hunger. And that's the spiritual hunger. So he's kind of taken the Jews on this journey. He's, he's met their physical need and he's bringing them around to understand that they've got a spiritual need. And they're kind of okay with that. They say, what was, must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, do you know, if I was Jesus, I've said this a few times, but you, you please, I'm not Jesus, I'd have been pretty annoyed, right? I've just fed 5,000 people. What more do these people want, right? I've just fed with just five loaves and two fishes, and then they come to me and say, what have you, are you going to give us a sign? I mean, what more does, does a person need to do? Do you know when you sometimes feel with people that you've given your all and it's still not enough? Jesus must have been feeling like this. But he answers quite graciously. He says, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. See, they were referring to a portion of scripture which was looking at uh, the Israelites way back in the Old Testament when they were stuck in the desert and there was no food and Moses was leading them and God provided them with manna which was uh, just food that came every day, fresh food every day. They couldn't keep it. If they kept it, it went rancid, but God provided them with food every single day. So that's what they were talking about. And Jesus says, it wasn't Moses, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. So they were completely on board with that. They thought, you know, this bread sounds amazing. To have bread that doesn't ever wear out, that means that I'm actually full forever. That sounds great. I'm on board with that. And then we get to this bit. This is the sticking bit. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am that bread. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And later on, he says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. They were fine with with the concept of a bread of life. They were fine with that. But when it became a definitive article, if you like, when Jesus said, well, I'm the bread, that's me, that was when the sticking point came. So Jesus had sorted their physical hunger and then he started to address their spiritual hunger. And then he said, the way to fill the spiritual hunger is me. And I just want to unpack those key areas just a little bit over the course of of, um, the morning. But first of all, when we read this, and and I've heard a lot of preachers on the bread of life, the focus is often on the food. Well, I want us to focus today a little bit on hunger, on hunger, because I think there's two elements to this passage. There's the food, but there's also the hunger that drives the need for the food. And I want us to look a little bit at hunger. I've put a couple of definitions in in your notes as to what hunger means. It can either be described as a noun or a verb. So the verb to hunger means to have a strong desire or a craving for. And then the noun is a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by lack of food coupled with the desire to eat. So there's kind of two elements to that. Lack of food and coupled with a desire to eat. You see, the thing about physical hunger is that it's actually a driver that we all need. It's a physiological need of ours. If we didn't have any hunger, then we wouldn't know to get food, we wouldn't get any nourishment, we wouldn't get any sustenance, and ultimately, we'd die. Physical hunger is something that drives us to survive. So it might feel that physical hunger is is a bit annoying sometimes, but it is one of the absolute basic things that we have to have in order to live. If we don't have hunger, we we, we just won't cope, we won't manage. And, you know, I don't know whether you've ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but basically it looks at what do we need to thrive in life. And there's some things that are quite subtle, so things like self-esteem and value and things, and they, they tend to go to the top of this pyramid, this hierarchy, and at the bottom are things that you've got to get right before you move on to the more subtle things. So if you haven't got that foundation of the basics, you can forget self-esteem. And along the basics are things like breathing, water, and food. Because if we don't address people's physical hunger, we can forget trying to build their self-esteem or give them self-worth. If they're starving hungry, they're never gonna progress up to those. We did the parenting course last year before we, when we were pregnant, it's a really great time to do it. I would definitely recommend it. There are a bunch of us who, who did it. You don't have to organize babysitting. You've got no preconceptions because you've never been a parent, so you haven't got a clue. So you, you haven't got any axe to grind at all. But one of the things that they taught us was the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. And they said, in the behavioral thing, they said, when your child's playing up, and it's difficult, isn't it, when they're newborn and you have no idea who they are, you have no idea what they want. So they said, just go through these things. Are they hungry? Are they angry? Are they lonely? Or are they tired? Or, I add, have they got a pooey nappy? Because that's another thing that seems to, to be, but that doesn't quite fit with the whole thing. Um, 
But one thing I learned really quickly with Brooke was that, you know, if she was, it wouldn't make any difference if I thought, oh, you know, she's crying, she's tired, let me put her down, let me uh, make sure she, she goes to sleep. If she's hungry, she's not going to go to sleep. If she's lonely, or if I think she's lonely, but really she's hungry, and I'm thinking, oh, it's okay, let's just have a cuddle, and we can have a little dance around the kitchen, which we do every day to, to Justin Bieber, but don't judge me. Um, you know, she's not going to be interested in that if she's hungry. And if she's angry or enraged about something, I think, but actually she's hungry, there's no point in me trying to pacify her if she's hungry, because hunger trumps it all, from my experience. If I feed her, then I can begin to address the other things, but I have to, I have to address the hunger issue. Can I go to the handheld? Is that okay? Because it's still really catchy. Thank you. I have to address the issue of hunger. Hunger is kind of a basic, basic thing. I don't know about you, but... Um, have you ever been to a wedding where people, if you're planning a wedding, here's a bit of advice. Have you ever been to a wedding that they seem to get married at nine in the morning, but they don't seem to feed you until nine at night? Have you ever been to one of those? You're all laughing because you know it's true. Don't be that couple that people remember forever. I was a bridesmaid when I was five at a, set, a wedding very much like that. My parents are still talking about, do you remember how starving we were? You know, we have been, Simon and I and a group of us have been out to McDonald's mid-wedding mid because we're just absolutely starving. And then you're always put in a wedding, aren't you, with people you don't know, so you've got to be polite. It's really hard to be polite when you're hungry. Maybe that's just me. And then you've got to make small talk and, and thank Thankfully, if they vaguely plan, they put the bread rolls on. Bread rolls are not to have with soup. Everybody knows this. Bread rolls are the entree to the main course, but at least they allow you to eat them so you're not rude um, to the people that you're with. It's fine if you're with people that you know. I've been out for dinner with friends, and I've said, I'm so hungry. Don't expect any chat from me until at least the second course. Because when we're hungry, we can't engage in social niceties. We're just starving. So if you're going to have a wedding soon and you're going to invite me, make sure... <laughs> Make sure there's not 10 hours between the, the wedding and, and the reception. But it really, is, it really is one of those things that we've really got to understand that hunger drives us. It drives us and it's a need that we've got to fill. And Jesus totally got this. And whilst I want to talk a little bit about the spiritual hunger later, I want to say this to you. First of all, physical hunger matters. Physical hunger matters. The context of this scripture is that Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Why did he do that? Well, I think he wanted to show his glory to them. He wanted to show what was capable. he was capable of, who God was, and wanted to give them a glimpse of that. But also, I believe he saw that the crowds were hungry because it was Jesus that said to Philip, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? See, those people would not have stuck around after a while. They wouldn't have stuck around to hear Jesus if they were absolutely starving. And the thing that Jesus grasped was he had to fulfill their physical hunger if he was ever going to begin to talk to them about spiritual hunger. He had to meet that need and he had to feed the 5,000 because he wanted them to hear about the words of truth that he had. He wanted them to hear the words of peace that he had as an antidote to anger and frustration. The words of companionship that he's never going to leave us or forsake us as an antidote to loneliness. The words of rest as an antidote to tiredness. But he had to meet their physical hunger first because the physical hunger was a barrier to the spiritual. And so often we can get so caught up in purely spiritual matters. Everything is spiritual, but for the purposes of this this uh, talk, I'm just going to make slight distinctions between them. But we can get so caught up in the spiritual that we forget that there's a, a massive barrier to people that's really physical and quite easily solved. 
maybe people are hungry, literally hungry, and that's why we put on things like food bank. That's why we want to feed people, because we don't want a physical barrier that we can solve to stop people coming into hearing about how they can have their physic, uh, spiritual hunger filled. Do you know, maybe there's certain things that you've looked around and you've thought, that could be a physical barrier to somebody coming in and hearing about their spiritual hunger. Can I encourage you to just be part of the solution? You know, for example, that the Connect team, we're always looking to recruit people for the Connect team. They're the front line, they're on the car park, they're on the, the front door. Maybe you've thought, you know, there's not quite enough people on the team. Well, I tell you, there isn't. There isn't, we've got 600 people come in and we've got about 60 on the team. They don't all serve every week. We need more people. We need all of us on team to be connecting, to be making sure that there's nothing physical or tangible. People don't feel awkward. They don't sort of wander around lost thinking, where's the loo? You know, Steve was talking about the heating the other week. The heating is like that. It's a physical barrier. If we were sat in the cold, I can tell you, we just would not have entered in because you're just thinking, I'm just so cold, I'm just so cold, I'm just so cold, that's all you can think of. What physical barriers perhaps can we think of that make things slightly easier, to, that we can solve, that would make things easier for people to press in, to hear about their spiritual hunger? Somebody um, was saying the other day, we need some high chairs. We need some high chairs because we've got this community cafe and we want to come to the cafe, but we want to bring our children along. And that person said, that's fine, I'll just go and get some. That is the attitude that we want. That's awesome. It's like it's taken as red. And this is where we pick up the story with Jesus now. He's taken it as red that he's going to sort out the physical hunger. It's kind of that Maslow's hierarchy of need. It's the bottom line. We've got to be seen to make no offense. That's what Steve mentioned. No offense for people to come here on a Sunday other than the offense of Jesus. We don't want people to not be able to sit properly in their chairs. We don't want people to feel awkward about parking. We don't want people to feel like they're not welcome with their children. We, we want people to feel at home. So physical hunger really does matter. And once you address people's physical hunger, they'll hang around for a lot more. My, um, I did a, a, a long uni course, and I, I've always worked. Ever since I, I've, I've loved working. And, and when I was 13, I got a job cleaning toilets and kitchens after school. And, um, you know, I, I just did that, and, and I actually quite enjoyed it and, and, because I like, I like cleaning. And, um, and then I know I'm a really exciting person to be around. Um, and, and then, you know, I worked all the way through my holidays. We'd have three-and-a-half-month uni holidays. I'd have a two-week holiday with my family, and then I'd work the rest. But in my, in my sixth year at uni, I only had four weeks off in the whole year. So I worked three of them, and then the final one I really needed to revise for my finals. So the upshot of it was that I had absolutely no money in my sixth year, and I was on placements. I was driving to Ipswich and Bury St. Edmunds and things like that. And at the time, I felt I really needed to not tell anybody about this. I felt like it was God wanted to, to trust me to trust him in that. I'm not saying that is necessarily the right thing. That's just what I felt was the thing to do. And so I remember sort of praying over the car when it had no petrol and I was on the A14 trying to get to Ipswich, like, Lord, please let it get there. And, and, and praying when you put your card at Sainsbury's that it's not going to bounce and it's really embarrassing when it does. Um, some of you might not have had that, but it is embarrassing. And um, I remember thinking, oh, Lord, please get me through this. But one of my saving graces was that the hospital that I had gone to did these things called grand rounds which are generally presented by um, doctors and they're really specialized and to be honest, quite boring. But where I went, they gave you a free lunch. 
So I would just sit through anything to get this free lunch. <laughs> and I would be like, I was a lot, a lot skinnier then. So I'd just like eat loads of stuff and just store myself up and stash bits for the day and all that kind of stuff because it was all going to waste and I don't agree with waste. So it felt like I should solve the issue. But do you know what? I sat through stuff I didn't eat, I wasn't even interested in because there was a free lunch. Let me say this to you. If we start addressing people's physical concerns, if we start doing things that seem kind of remote, then actually people will stay because people are interested in what we've got to say. They are interested. I should probably add that when my parents found out, they hit the roof and sorted me out. But, but that's, that's, not, that's not, otherwise I'll get it in the neck from my mum. Anyway, physical hunger matters. But let me say this to you. Spiritual hunger matters even more. Spiritual hunger matters even more. And this is what Jesus was really getting at in the story. He wanted to explain to people about spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger is a bit of a kind of difficult thing to grasp, but I love that the Bible kind of tells us a little bit more about spiritual hunger. I've put a couple of verses in your Bible there. There's one from Genesis chapter 1 that says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then Ecclesiastes 3.10 says that, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, right there are two verses that sum up the human condition, I believe. What the Bible is saying is we are so much more than the sum of our parts that there's so much more to us than what seems to be finite, that actually we've got the fingerprint of God put within us, that you and I somehow in our frailty are made in the very image of God. And then Ecclesiastes says that God has placed this burden on us, that he has placed eternity inside our hearts, but no one can fathom it. But you see, that was in the Old Testament And in the New Testament, we find that Jesus comes because God's never going to give us a burden, I believe, that he's not going to come and help us with. So whilst we feel burdened, Jesus then comes and says, you might have this burden, you might have this spiritual hunger, but I'm here to tell you that I am the one that can fill it. See, spiritual hunger matters because it's inside each and every one of us. That's the way that we're wired. I've never really been starving but I imagine when I see some of these things on television with famines and, and, and things, and particularly since I've had a child, I would do anything to feed my child. You know, I would do things that in my right mind I would never want to do. So I would probably steal if I really felt it was life or death to feed my child. I, I would probably hit someone and get them out of the way so that I could get that last loaf of bread. I would do things that, that, that I would not normally want to do because I want... I'm so driven by hunger and I want to see that hunger fulfilled. And spiritual hunger is no different from physical hunger. When we're spiritually hungry, we will do anything to see that hunger fulfilled. See, the Bible just calls, I think, spiritual hunger and and the actions that we do as a result of it, sin. It just says that we do and make choices that don't honor God because we're trying to fill this spiritual hunger. And so we end up driven to do things that in our right mind we wouldn't do but the key is we're not in our right minds because we're starving when you're starving you can't think straight and so what happens is we 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 go to different relationships and we try and see fulfillment in that relationship and we try and fill that spiritual hunger or maybe we'll try and we'll 
We'll, we'll think, it's okay, I'm just going to be a good person and I'm going to do lots of good works and that will fill up my spiritual hunger. Or maybe we'll turn to things like alcohol or we'll turn to drugs because we want to escape the fact that we're feeling hungry. But the fact is we're trying to fit finite works into an infinite whole. And so even your good deeds, as good as they may do, they're still sort of temporary, they're still physical, they're not a spiritual thing that's going to fill that hole. And what we've got to understand, and this is what Jesus was getting at, is those things are not going to fill. You need something infinite to fill that infinite hole. You need something eternal to match with the eternity that God has placed within your heart. And the thing is that we all stand here, don't we, victims of our own spiritual hunger journey. We all stand here with past probably that we're ashamed of, with things that we've done because we're trying to fill that hunger. Maybe, maybe you, you don't really feel particularly hungry. Well, maybe that's because you've, you've asked Jesus in and, and you've, you know what it is to feel full. Or maybe it's because you've got so far beyond hunger that you've tripped into a starvation mode mentality. You know, we see it in people who have eating disorders or you see it in, in prisoners of war when they were coming back from the, the, the Second World War. They were so hungry that they didn't feel the natural desire to want food. And actually, the worst thing you could do would be to give them a big dinner because you would just really mess their whole physiology up and you'd give them things like refeeding syndrome and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're sat here and you, you, you're like, I'm kind of okay. Well, the thing is, we believe that inside each and every one of us, God has put that fingerprint of God, of himself, on us, that he's placed eternity. And so it could be that you feel okay, but actually, I don't think you are. You're not living the life to the full that God has got in store for you. See, spiritual hunger matters more. And everybody was keen, as I said, to hear about this bread that Jesus was talking about in the abstract. And I bet if I said to the majority of people in our worlds, if I said something to them like this, for over 20 years I've been on a spiritual path of enlightenment and it's taken me a lot, you know, lots of meditating and meeting with like-minded people uh, who have taught me and I've sat under teaching and now I feel that I have inner peace. Most people would say, that sounds awesome, what have you done? What have you done to do that? If I just changed a few words and said, actually, I've been on my Christian walk for over 20 years and I've been to church a lot and I've got around and sat under preaching and I've realized that the thing, the key for inner peace is Jesus, a lot of people would run a mile. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. They were fine talking about a theoretical spiritual hunger, but when the rubber hits the road and Jesus said, I am that bread of life, that is where the offense came. So Jesus dealt with the physical hunger, he highlighted the spiritual hunger, and then he got to the crux of the issue, which was, it's me, guys. I'm the bread of life. See, spiritual hunger matters, but Jesus matters most. Jesus matters most. And we have to grasp this. If we want to understand a bit about the bread of life, then we need to understand that Jesus 
is the sustainer. It's Jesus that fills that deep, deep hunger. It's him and him alone because Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is eternal. When we get something eternal matching the eternity that's set in our heart, that's when we can start to feel whole. That's when we can start to feel like we're not hungry. That's when we can begin to be in our right mind. We can move on to a conversation with Jesus. Before that, we're just kind of scratching around in the dark, looking for different things and trying to fill the hole. But actually, we can begin to move on in stuff. And actually, the choices that we used to make, we don't want to make any longer because we're not starving. So that, that, that filter of starvation isn't there any longer. So we don't want to be in those relationships that drag us down. We don't want to be in, in a place where we're turning to substances to make us feel better. We don't want to be in a place where we're striving, where we're doing good works just to boost, uh, boost our ego. We, we, we realize that that isn't needed any longer. And that's why Jesus said, the work I have set you to do is to believe, to believe. Jesus matters most. And Jesus always will be the sticking point for people. People are fine with the spiritual journey most of the time. There's not many people, I don't think, who truly believe they're just a random creative mishap, that just a few atoms got together and, well, there's a human. I don't think there's many people that truly believe that. I think most of us realize deep down when we're facing perhaps issues of life and death or, or issues of worth, I think most of us know that there's something more to us than just a makeup of cells. And this is where Jesus comes in. He says, I am the bread of life. It sounds a bit of a twee phrase to us, the bread of life, because for us, bread is probably a bit of a treat. It is once you've had a baby and you're trying to get back down anyway. Um, we don't eat bread to the degree that people used to eat bread. People used to eat bread morning, noon, and night. I watched a program recently, I don't know why I was watching it, about Victorian bakers. I don't know whether any of you had seen that. These bakers worked crazily hard to feed a nation. It said that the average family ate 33 loaves of bread a week. A week? I wouldn't even have, we wouldn't have that probably in a year. 33 loaves of bread a week to keep them fueled and to keep them going. Do you know, that bread, they said on, this, on the TV, fueled the entire nation. Rich and poor, young and old, everybody ate bread. And that was what kept them going. On good days, they had meat, but everybody had bread. It was so basic. So that is the context, really, that Jesus was speaking into in the culture that he was in. He was speaking into a culture where give us our daily bread was real. There was a battle every day to feel full, to fuel each other with energy, to nourish each other. That was a battle. So we've got to understand when Jesus was saying, I'm the bread of life, he was saying, I am the fuel to you. I can fuel this nation. I can fuel this world. I can fuel this church. I am, I am way beyond a little treat when you're thinking, oh, I'll have a few carbs. That's not what Jesus was getting at. He was getting at, I am the sustenance of life. I am the thing that will really keep you going when nothing else is going on. When you can't seem to get any posh cuts of sirloin beef or anything like that, I will keep you going. I am the sustainer. I am the bread of life. That's the context that Jesus was speaking into. Jesus matters most. Jesus matters most. I just wondered if the musicians can come back up. And I just want to leave you just thinking, really. Where are you? 
Maybe you are physically hungry. And if that's the case, then come and see someone in a t-shirt. We don't want anyone to be physically hungry here today. But more importantly, I wonder if you are feeling spiritually hungry. Maybe some of the stuff that you've heard today, you've thought, that is me. I've never seen it like that, but that is me. I've always known there's something more in me. But I've looked in various different places and I've, I've gone and done various things. Maybe good, maybe bad, but as I say, they're all finite. And they're all trying to fill something that's infinite and it's never going to work. I want to give you the opportunity today to say, actually, Jesus, I want you to be my sustainer. I want you to fill this deep, deep hunger, this deep hunger that's within me. I want you to come and I want you to make me whole. Do you know, I was reading a little bit from JC Ryle when I was uh, preparing this, um, this preach and he had two quotes. First of all, he said this, it's want of heart, not evidence that keeps people back from Jesus. It's want of heart, not evidence. Do you know, the Jews that Jesus was talking to had just seen the feeding of the 5,000. For me, that would have been evidence enough, but it still wasn't enough. Don't kid yourself that you were, if you're sitting there saying, well, if only I saw this, then I'd do that. If only I saw this. It's a heart issue that God's getting at. It's a hunger issue that He's getting at. And maybe that's just what God's highlighting to you today. Enough with all looking for evidence. Look at your heart. The other thing that he says is this, J.C. Ryle. Faith in Christ shall supply a man's soul with peace and satisfaction that shall never entirely be taken away from him. That shall endure forever. You see, I'm not preaching, come to Jesus and your life's going to be sorted. I've been on the journey a long time and realized that's not the case. And often the further you get on the journey, the bigger the trials and the bigger the faith gap can be. But my satisfaction never goes. I know even when we've faced health scares of ourselves or, or in our family or huge issues that deep down that hunger is still full. Jesus isn't promising a perfect life here, but what he's saying is you don't have to ride around in the dark. You don't have to run after things to fill that hunger. That hunger will be filled. That satisfaction, no matter what we face, need never be taken away entirely. It can be shaken, it can be rocked, but it never ever goes entirely. I just wonder if I can get you to stand and bow your heads for me. If you're saying, actually, I'm in starvation mode, Rhiannon, I, I don't really feel particularly hungry, then I have this to say to you. I have this to say to you. Just keep turning up. Just keep coming back. As God's not necessarily going to just whack you over the head with a huge, massive roast dinner, but I tell you what He is and will do is gently drip feed you. Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back to Sundays on church, listening to things and saying, God, would you soften my heart? Would you awaken my hunger to you? But I want to pray with people who feel that their spiritual hunger has not been filled. I want to give you the opportunity today to say yes to the bread of life, to say yes to Jesus once and for all, filling that deep, deep hunger that you might have within you. Maybe you've known that before, but you've completely turned your back on it. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to come back again. I'm just going to say a really simple prayer, and I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Church, we'll all pray it alongside you. 
And we just want to ask that that hunger will be fulfilled. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you are the bread of life. I thank you that you can fill our hunger. And Lord, I'm sorry when I've searched for that hunger to be filled in other ways. I realize that only you can fill that hunger. And I ask you now to come into my life to fill that hunger. And Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. Whilst your heads are bowed, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it because you've gone away and you've forgotten and you've fallen into old habits of hunger again, I just want to ask you to raise your hand up. No one's looking. I just want to be able to ask you to raise your hand up so that we can give you a gift and so that you can just say, yeah, do you know what? Today, I'm done with feeling hungry. Is there anybody here that wants to say yes to that, that prayed that prayer and meant it like they've never meant it before? Thank you, lady at the back there. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to sing this song right now. I just want to encourage you to come and speak to the prayer team afterwards. You know, we don't have to rush this. We don't have to get it all sorted overnight. It's a journey. But it starts with realizing that only Jesus can fill the hunger that he's placed within us. Amen. Let's sing the song.